The following is an actor portrayal. With Kindly Assisted Living and Memory Care at Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County, you can anticipate more. But don't take our word for it. My dad moved to Kindly and loved it. His apartment was spacious, sunny, and overlooked Parkland. It was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at Kindly. Enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services, too. Visit Kindly at Asbury.org today. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 160 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in store today, and with me, as usual, is my 80 great co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, how was your Thanksgiving, man? It was pretty chill. It was nice and relaxing. We didn't do the conventional meal. We were, you know, we usually go to families, but uh, we did my family's Thanksgiving I guess over a week ago now, it was two Saturdays ago, and uh, we were going to go to my wife's family's on Thanksgiving, but they ended up getting the flu, so we we ah. stayed home, and uh, it was honestly nice and relaxing, have some time off work and just chill with the family. You know, obviously our son wasn't at daycare, so we get to spend more time with him, and it's been a good few days, man. It's been really good for mental health and uh, just all things. It was a good weekend overall. I'm a Most of you don't know, I'm a big college football fan, a South Carolina fan. <laughs> they uh, beat Clemson for the first time in eight years. That was pretty awesome. Back-to-back wins over top 10 teams. So riding pretty high right now. Happy to be back on the show and talk baseball. But, uh, yeah, it's been a, a good weekend. Hope hope your Thanksgiving was good as well. Yeah, no, it was pretty good. It was, it was kind of similar, pretty quiet. Uh, went and saw some family but didn't do anything too big. But, yeah, it's been good to relax a little bit. And I don't have any college football teams, so I don't have that <laughs> to share with you. But, yeah, it was good, and just you know, keep doing the baseball stuff here, and you know, we got we had a lot of fun players to talk about today. So it's gonna be a really fun episode. We're gonna do some prospect buy sell, not not like buy low, sell high, you know, more so like eh, maybe you can call it that, but players that are good buys at their value, or you can sell for a higher value than you know they they probably should be. So we'll call it a prospect buy sell. But before we get into that, the usual housekeeping. You can find us on Twitter, Chris at Roto Clegg. I'm Eric Cross04, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both of us and our YouTube channel for plenty of video throughout the offseason and into 2023. And of course, check out all the other great stuff that Fantrax and Fantrax HQ have to offer. 2023 baseball leagues are already open, and we have plenty of great content on HQ for whatever fantasy sports you're into. All right, Chris, you want to start with the cells right now? Get those guys out of the way first. And we're each going to give three names on each side. So a total of 12 players throughout the episode, six total cells and six buys right now. And Chris is going to start us off with one of the uh, buzzier prospect names <laughs> right now. Wow. Yeah. Um, 
the cells are hard and I want to make a disclaimer that it's not like I'm fully out on these guys. I'm right. Just with the cells, I think I'm encouraging that you can go out and get something more than these players are worth. And so the first guy that I'm suggesting that you sell is going to be Matt Mervis. Um, I love Matt Mervis. I like him a lot, but man, his hype is out of control. It began to get out of control before first pitch. And then we were all at first pitch and everybody saw him in the AFL and in the home run derby. And dude, his redraft ADP is just going insane right now. He's been picked as high as 180 in a, a redraft league. And we're talking about somebody who's never – this is higher than Julio Rodriguez last year. Mervis hasn't debuted. We don't even know if Mervis is going to be the starter at first base for the Cubs because the Cubs have been rumored to be in on a wide variety of guys. And that's my concern. And I think this is the time to sell him in a dynasty. This is the time to sell any prospect in dynasty – when you start to hear all this buzz and everybody's talking about them, like you can just cash out and get so much for them. Now, I think Matt Mervis can be a good player. I want to hear that you to hear that loud and clear. Um, the data backs that up. You can. I remember at the beginning of the AFL. I remember Keith Law wrote that piece that Mervis couldn't hit a fastball. Um, the truth is that he could, and he did all year. And I mentioned that and. He, he was solid all year against him. I mean, you just look at what he did throughout the season, and his Woba was 411, which was really, really solid. He did chase a decent amount, but still 30% is pretty respectable. Um, solid numbers all around. Surprisingly, the average EV wasn't what you would expect for a person that hits the ball like he does, or you think. I mean, his average EV was right at 88 miles an hour last year in the minors, which is fine, but at the same time, it's not like crazy high or anything the 90th percentile of 105 is good it's well above average that's what you want to see on the high ends it's really good um there's a lot of good things in this profile but when all said and done i would trade matt mervis in the dynasty league in a heartbeat especially because the fomo is getting really high right now with this guy and everybody wants him it's who can get him first in a redraft league it's like he's playing chicken with first base and you everybody wants to get him so i'm suggesting selling matt mervis in dynasty on that basis it's not the fact that he's not going to be a good player it's one of the it's more the fact that i think that his values at peak right now and you can cash out and there's so many unknowns still we don't even know if he's going to be the starter next year we're talking about a 24 year old who started last year in high a so a lot of things that are working against him in some ways, but at the same time, there is a lot to like, but at the end of the day, you can get a lot from Matt Mervis. So I'd cash out on him. You just made me think of that song by Van Hale and the everybody wants some, <laughs> I want some too. Everybody wants Matt Mervis, right? Everybody wants some Matt Mervis and everyone has the FOMO. Like you said, yeah, I think Mervis is going to be solid, but at this point with the hype that's around him, he's going to have to be, what like what would be acceptable to at this hype or or disappointing? I should say anything that's not like a top ten first base season. Like that's basically what like the hype is building up to. That's like I think we both like Mervis and we both have said such. But yeah, the hype is out of control with him. It's like there's more hype around him now than it was with Torkelson last year. 
I feel, right? Like, I'm not saying people think he's better than Torque was, but he, there's so much hype around him right now. So, yeah, definitely agree. And he was one that I almost put on this list as well. I'm going to start with Marco Luciano. He's a guy, like, I was talking with Chris about this before we came on the air here. It's, you know, he's been he's been fine, right? He's been decent. But when I wrote up my blurb for him uh, earlier today uh, for the Black Book, uh, Top 100 Prospects I do for the Black Book every year, the blurb didn't seem like a blurb for a guy that I had ranked around 30th overall. I bumped him down outside my top 50 to like 52, 53, still right close and still a very good prospect. But I feel like we've dinged other guys with similar, you know, kind of performances a lot more. And Luciano seems to get a free pass. He didn't run at all this year. They even attempt a steal. He's got some speed, but how much does he, you know, contribute in that category? And again, he's been fine. He's a 271 career minor league hitter, 40 home runs in 218 games. Like, I think he's a five hit. I think he's probably a six power or maybe even 55 game power. And where does the speed end up? So again, that's a good all around profile, but and he's still being valued, you know, if not top 25 overall, pretty close to it. And he went. Uh, I think it was in the early 30s in our uh, the mock draft we're doing, the industry prospect mock draft with a bunch of very bright minds. But I just don't see uh, him being that that guy. Like I think everyone wants him to turn into a superstar, and I'm not ruling that out, but he just seems like a good but not great hitter. And I think he's still being valued as a great prospect. So I think you could cash out, get someone you know in this 50 to 60 range of rankings, and then probably get another, you know, maybe a back end top 100 guy or something like that with him uh, to make that deal worthwhile. So I think it's a good time to cash out on Luciano because if he has another kind of lackluster year in 2023, or not lackluster, but another just like, you know, good kind of treading water. He's, that's what he's doing. He's treading water right now. Um, and if he has another one of those years, like, yeah, he's still young. I know that people are going to be like, oh, he's still young, blah, blah, blah. I get it. But. He's, I'm not saying he's bad, but he's not this elite prospect that I think everyone thought he would be. Like he hasn't really been that guy since before the pandemic. So I think it's a good time to sell high on Luciano right now in Dynasty Leagues. Going over to Chris, who is going to pick at my heartstrings here as a Red <laughs> Sox fan and go with one of our top prospects. Well, before I do, I do want to just comment on Luciano. I think I really think 2023 is a big make or break year. So agreed. Yep. I, I think that it's risky either way. So you either hold and you hope the value comes back up, or if you do, or you could hold and he could bottom out more. So I think there's risk either way if you have Luciano on his team. So if someone's still high on him, I could understand selling him. Um, the power is interesting. Like, how's it going to play out? I mean, he's registered an exit velocity as high as 119, which is pretty crazy high. Yeah. Um, he's had 65 batted balls over 105 since the start of 2021, and that's 694 at-bats, so a little over a full season's worth. Um, so 65 batted balls over that's a, a really high number, so really high, really good high-end EVs. It is notable to me that he cut the strikeout rate uh, last year. He he made some little tweaks in his swing. He kind of you know smoothed his load a bit, like just kind of, I don't know, trying to be, I guess I would say he's a little more quiet in the lower half. Um, which helped, and he really used the whole field more, and I'm thinking that kind of had an effect on his game power to an extent, but I'd still say there's 30 home run pop there. Probably I'd agree with you still in 
like a five hitter. It's like not a number five hitter, but like a, a five on the hit tool scale. It's like an average hitter at best. But if he's 260, hits you 25 or 30 bombs, I think it's an interesting profile. But there is some risk there, so I understand why you'd want to sell him. So yeah. um, this next guy a lot of people won't like, honestly. And it's interesting because I put up a poll about this player last night just based on – um, when I was doing some adjusting in my rankings and how the board fell in our prospect draft, um, it's Marcelo Meyer, who I got to see a good bit here in Greenville with the drive, the Red Sox high eight down the stretch. Um, it He's interesting. I think he's a really good ball player. I think he's going to fit the mold of being a better real-life player than fantasy player. So I still think that he's a – I still have him as a top 30 prospect, but I think he's being valued as a top 15 fantasy prospect. And I put up that poll, like, who would you there for fantasy, uh, Marcelo or Connor Norby? And it was just dominant to, to Meyer, like not even close. And I wasn't surprised because there's a lot of name value. He was the, I mean, he was the favorite to be the first overall pick in last year's class. There's a lot to like here. It's a really well-rounded profile. I think there's still physical projections. So I think, that could be the case, but what kind of power do we see him get to? And does he become the kind of hitter that many think he can be? Yeah. He put up good numbers last year. Um, overall solid numbers, good OBP skills. I really like his plate skills. Honestly, like I, I thought his strikes on recognition is, is pretty solid. Like Nick York, um, his teammate and he didn't, I mean, yeah, the numbers dipped a bit once he went to Greenville, but it's still, we're talking about a 116-plate appearance sample with him. Still posted a 379 OBP. Hit four home runs over that time. His power numbers are solid. I mean, look at the EVs, and they're they're pretty good. So his 90th percentile exit velocity um, is just shy of 104. So it's a little above um, average there, I'd say, for minor leaguer. The interesting thing is that I do think his swing can get a bit long at times. So I find that interesting because he did swing and miss in the zone some, especially with higher fastballs. And that's that's something I've noticed with a lot of the hitters in the Red Sox system is these high fastballs just really get to them. It's Nick York, he struggled with it this year. I mean, Meyer, we saw it. Um, Blaze Jordan especially is another one. All to say, I think Marcelo Meyer's a really good prospect. I think he's a better real-life prospect than fantasy I think that next year will be a big building block for him as he will be uh, 20 next year. He turns 20 next month, actually. So he'll be 20 for the full season next year. He probably starts in high, he gets the bump to double A. Again, love the profile. I think you can sell high and capitalize in fantasy, especially if you're a contending team and you have him. I'd trade him and see what you can get to for a win now piece because he is going to net you more than what I think his value is and what his value could be. As I said, I think he's being valued as a top 15 prospect. So for that reason, I'd look to sell him, at least throw him out there and see. And it's not a sell because I think he's going to be bad. I think it's a sell because I think his value is really high. So that's my reasoning on it. I can't really, you know, argue with that. You made a lot of great points. I like Mayer a lot. I do agree that I do think he's going to be a, probably a little bit better of a real-life player than – uh, fantasy prospect, but I think a lot is going to depend on where does that power get to. I think you know the hit, the hit tool is solid, the approach is solid. So where does that power get to, and how much does he run? I think this would be a real kind of deciding factor. So we'll see. I, I do the 
again, a lot of these guys, like next year's going to be, you know, pretty pivotal for Mayer to answer that question. Like, is he going to be an impactful fantasy guy or just kind of like a solid fantasy aspect, you know, guy that's better for real life? So, yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm very intrigued to see him when he gets up here to Double A. Hopefully, it'll be by you know June or so. We'll see. But my next guy here, I'm going with a 2022 FYPD guy, Dalton Rushing. So again, let me premise that or preface that I don't you know, I don't think we think any of these guys are bad prospects. This, well, I can't stress that enough. But we go from you know a lot of FPD rankings including mine and I, I believe Chris's as well had him you know nobody had him top 50 I don't think for FYPD it was like 60 70 summers in that range right so now he's being talked about in as being one of the top you know one of the elite in the Dodgers system and just go super high in overall rankings after about one month of him crushing and he crushed like 424 539 778 slash line in low a but he was 21 advanced collegiate bat in low a the california league which is when i think maybe the most hitter friendly uh minor league minor league league uh last year the league as a whole had a era of 5.13 and a whip of 1.51 and the park he played in, Rancho Cucamonga, which I will say that I love saying Rancho Cucamonga. That's just a fun thing to say. One of the more hitter-friendly parks in that league. So, again, he's good. I think there's a solid hit tool here. Solid power. He could be 55 for both or at least a five for both. And, you know, the approach has always been very good. He almost has as many walks as strikeouts as last year at Louisville. And he had exactly as many walks as strikeouts last year. So, I think he's going to be solid. But I think the hype off that one month of facing, you know, lesser competition in a extremely hitter friendly environment and league in general, I think has pushed his kind of value, the hype a lot higher than it probably should after just one month of that. So I think that's why Dalton rushing is a self right now. See what you can get. Obviously maybe some of you don't even have him yet because he's an FYPD. You haven't had your FYPD draft yet, but, you know, if, if that's the case, then maybe just avoid him where he's going to be going probably in FYPD is I think he's going a you know, good amount too high for that. Again, solid, but hype is just out of control right now for Dalton rushing. Going back over to Chris for a guy that we both saw out in the Arizona Fall League. Yeah, this one's interesting. Um, a college bat who really up pretty solid numbers at least to start the year last year. And that's uh, Matt McLean in the Reds org. Now he was a UCLA bat and, you know, UCLA is a elite college program. They've produced a lot of good players over the years. And so McLean, he was the first rounder of high school actually in 2018. Um, so the D-backs didn't sign, went to um, UCLA and then was the first rounder again, 17th overall in the 2021 draft. McLean's interesting um, when we saw him in person, he is smaller than I think I expected. He's listed at 5'11", 180. I don't know. It just doesn't look it to me. I, maybe I'm misjudging a little bit on that, but regardless, pretty small. Um, you look, and yeah, he hit 17 home runs this year, but I don't, I'm questioning the power a bit in this profile 
with McLean. He did strike out 28% of the time in double A. And it was kind of aggressive assignment. The good news is he had a 361 OBP. The interesting thing to me is, and this was kind of telling because I'd already bumped him down a pretty significant bit. He was in my top 100 for a while, but I don't think he's been picked yet in our prospect mock. Um, I'm going to look and confirm that right now, but I th- think he's still there if I'm not mistaken. And we're at, I think pick, he is. Yeah. Yeah. But we're at pick 148, and McLean is still there. So that, uh, that's an interesting sign. And there's a lot of, and here's the crazy thing. You can say, well, that doesn't matter, but it only takes one person to like Matt McLean to draft him in a league with 14 really smart prospect people. <laughs> and nobody has. Nobody has to pick 148 yet. So the thing is, I think that he's likely still, most people are going to see him still as a top 100 guy. I mean, we're looking at someone who's now 23 years old. I think people expect him to kind of be up fairly soon with the Reds, especially because there's nobody really blocking him. I mean, uh, Kyle Farmer's there. No. Well, he was traded. So now they have uh, right. they have Newman. Oh, they have Kevin Newman. Yeah, Newman. There. All right. So even worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the strikeouts in Double A are just a big red flag to me. The OBP is good. He does walk a lot, but at the end of the day, I'm I just think Matt McClain's like a, I put him at like 177 in my ranking. So I'm really curious where he'll fall in this draft. As we mentioned, we're at 148. He's still out there. But man, I remember people going as high as like top 50 on him at some points early in the season even preseason. So I think that you can still get some good value for him. Who knows how he fits in in with his team because the Reds have a lot of players, a lot of prospects. Now they're going to be pushing up soon. So who knows with Ellie and now with Noel V. Marte, and they obviously have Jonathan Indy at second base. They have a lot of guys. I don't know where he fits. I'm kind of out on Matt McLean, so I'd probably trade him if I could. I just wasn't impressed with – I think we saw him probably two or three times in the NFL. I, was, I know I'm not going to make a, a judgment based on that, but it just wasn't impressive to me. No, but one thing I think you can judge a little quicker than other skills is the approach. And he was, was hacking at everything. He was like a polar opposite of Edouard Julian, who was – not swinging him anything, and we were joking that he was going to take a walk during the home run derby, which I think he actually <laughs> laid off a few right in a row, which is kind of funny. But, yeah, you know, McLean, and, and it's funny, too, with McLean, because when he came on a UCLA into the draft, I think a lot of people thought of him as hit tool first, and, like, where would the power speed be? And now it's he started the sellout for power, and the average and the approach has taken a hit. He still walks some, but, yeah, the K rate is way too high. So, yeah, I have him uh, 142 in mine, so... He's dropped it, and he got as high as like in the 70s for me. So he's dropped a good amount. And yeah, I'm not liking that approach whatsoever. And I think I'm, you know, I, I had him slightly ahead of Steer, and I'm going to correct that. I like Steer more. I think Spencer Steer's a better bat, some more power, better hitter, I think. So, uh, yes, McLean, yeah, he's trending the wrong way right now. All right, my last guy here, and I almost didn't want to go with him, but I'm going to go Mason Wynn. Um, Again, I like Mason Wynn, and I think he's going to be a very good real-life prospect. It's a real-life player. Very good. Obviously, the arm at shortstop is phenomenal. We saw him throw at a guy. I think he he went to his right a little bit, bobbled it, picked it up, threw an absolute hose over to first base. 
I don't know. That doesn't matter for fantasy. Like, why is Eric talking about this? It doesn't matter. But he's going to be a real, a very good real life shortstop for a long time. But I have some more questions about his power. Maybe not, not to the exact same extent, but similar questions about the power as I did with uh, with Austin Martin. And I think there's a, a similar offensive profile. I do. Win has a little bit more power, not a lot more, a little more power, but. You know, it's, you know, solid hit tool. The speed is there. He sold 43 bags this past year. Only just caught five times. Had 32 steals. Uh, previous year, only caught five times there as well. So I think it'll be good speed. But, you know, I don't think like, – I was about to bump him top 25. But I just – I, I want to see more power out of him. And he's still young. But I don't know. I'm, I'm, just, I'm having reservations about how much impact he has, you know, in the power department. And, you know, he's still going to be a decent fantasy player. But I think this is the hype on him and the rankings on him have kept climbing and climbing and climbing, kind of hoping for like that 20 homer power. And I just don't know if I see it getting there. He's a guy that's you know been decently young for the levels he's been at. He's still only, is he 21 yet? Uh, no, he won't be 21 until right before the season right in uh, late March. So still fairly young. I said, I like Mason Wynn. I'm just not in love with the power potential there. I think this is going to, limit him a little bit so i think right now is a good time to see what you can get i think the so the hype has pushed him to like you know top 25 or so levels and i just don't think he's quite there i think he's more like i'm i have him more in like that 50 range right now i bumped him down a little bit in that 50 range so good time to sell high mason went as well all right we are done with the sells on to the buys but first a word from our sponsor Support for Fantrax Toolshed is brought to you by Manscaped, who is best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package, to join over 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. This exclusive offer for you, 20% off, and free worldwide shipping using the code TOOLSHED at manscaped.com. And you know what the best part is? It's Black Friday weekend, and even going into Cyber Monday, Manscaped has discounts on all their products, which makes it a great time to go. There's already 25% off the entire website, plus free shipping, and then you can use our code and get an even better discount on these products. So I'm encouraging you to go to manscaped.com. Use the code TOOLSHED, especially right now, because there's no better time to buy, especially with the holidays right around the corner. So let me tell you a little bit about the performance 4.0 package which i mentioned it comes with the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer the weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer the crop preserver deodorant the crop reviver toner the performance boxer briefs and a travel bag to hold all your goodies the lawnmower 4.0 is the newest groom grooming trimmer they have the fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology Lawnmower 4.0 also has a 4000K LED spotlight that you need for your most precise shaves. It's waterproof, which means you can use it in the shower, no mess on the bathroom floor. In the package, you'll also find the Weed Whacker, which has the same proprietary skin-safe technology, which is also waterproof and helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. The Crop Preserver Below the Waist Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Toner will change the way you approach your daily hygiene routine. And Manscaped will even throw in two free gifts in their Performance 4.0 package, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and your boxers to another level. Take care of yourself. Go to manscaped.com. But with the already included discounts, 
but then put in our code, get 20% off and free worldwide shipping using the code toolshed. All right. Welcome back from the break here. Let's get over into the buys now. And Chris is starting out with a nice little middle infielder from the Bronx. Oh, for some reason, this guy just flew under the radar for a really long time. And it's Oswald Peraza. He got a lot of hype in 2021. And then people were like completely out on him beginning of the season. I was kind of baffled that that happened, but he had a really good year and he even debuted and was really good. So I know that to start the year, he wasn't great. So I understand from that standpoint, people were willing to drop him a bit, but I mean, you just look at what he did. All right. So his first two months, he hit 208 and had a 272 OBP. Only struck out 22% of the time, though. So there were some encouraging things despite it. He had five home runs in that span. But after May is when he really turned it on. So from June on, before he was called up, he then hit 291, 14 home runs, and just 237 at bats, which is insane. 365 OBP and 511 slug. Not to mention he got caught up and held his own with the Yankees, and that's hard to do when you're talking about a young player who's 22 years old making his debut in the Bronx, where there's a lot of pressure. And while it was a small sample of 57 plate appearances, he had a home run, he stole two bags, he only struck out 15% of the time, and he hit 306. Like, Oswald Peraza is a really good ball player. I think that Oswald Peraza will be someone that the Yankees trust to play every day next year. Now, I'm not going to be – I'm not going to say I'll be shocked if – they go get a top shortstop because that's what the Yankees do. So I certainly think they're capable of that. But I just wonder if Glaber Torres is with a team. So even if they do, maybe they trade Torres and Peraza gets a chance at second base. Either way, I do think Peraza is going to play. Man, he hits the ball hard as well. We saw it in the major leagues. He did some really good things. And... His numbers were really good in the minors as well. So Oswald Peraza, I would just say buy in on. I don't think the price is too high, even though he debuted and was solid. So if you can still go get him in a dynasty league, I would all day long, especially knowing that you're probably going to get regular playing time this year from a young player who I think is really, really good. So I'm suggesting to buy Oswald Peraza. And I second that. That was the other guy that I almost put on the list myself. I tweeted about him earlier today. Well, on Sunday when you're listening to this. Yeah, it was like that one little stretch, like a month and a half, where he just wasn't good. Then, as you mentioned, dominant the last three and a half, four months of the year. It was great in 2021. Good with the Yankees on the stretch. Good tools. Like solid hit tool. You know, 15, 20 homer pop. Good speed. Good approach. I like it. You know, it's a lot to like there. I hope the Yankees do give him that shot because I already have a couple of shares of him. And I want to see him, you know, I, I want to see like, this is an, a fun kind of, obviously we have you know, some of the elite prospects that are getting ready to debut this year, but a lot of those kind of fun, kind of not under the radar, but the guys like Peraza and, and Tovar and those types are Brett Beatty that are going, you know, pick three, 400 right now in drafts. Like, there's a lot of fun players in that range that just need the playing time to kind of show what they can do. And I think if all those guys get the playing time, it's going to be a pretty fun year. And Peraza definitely a guy I'll be tar- continue to target uh, this year in drafts. I am going to go my first buy here. Joey Weimer, I get why people were kind of lower on Weimer, lower than maybe they should have been on Weimer. I get it. Like the K rate was pretty high. You know, last year at, you know, 
wasn't too bad last year, but it got worse as the season went on. This year, K rate was pretty bad to start of the year, but drastically improved that K rate down the stretch. Still have no idea why, but he dropped it to a 12.5% K rate uh, over the final month of the season. And all the tools are there. Like, there's no denying there's plus power, there's plus speed in the profile. He's an efficient base stealer as well. Uh, this year, 31 out of 34 on the base pass. Last year, 30 out of 36. So, only been caught nine times in 70 attempts. I think that was like 87 or so percent success rate on the bases. He draws walks. He's been, you know, a little over 10% each of the last two years on the base pass. And, you know, maybe the hit tool, maybe he's not going to hit 280. You know, it's fair. But 250, 260 or so. And he's probably going to be a guy that with his plus power and, and plus speed, those guys usually run a little bit higher BABIP. You know, the average might be a little higher than it would be for other players. So I think he can hit 250, 260. I don't think that's asking too much. And he's only one of three players to have a 2020 year in both 2021 and 2022. Those other two players were Anthony Volpe and who was the other guy? I tweeted about it earlier today. Anthony Volpe and I can't find the tweet. Oh, uh, Cade Marlowe from Seattle as well. So power, speed, approach is getting better. Hopefully that can carry over in 2023, you know, the late season improvements. And he got to have a shot. You know, they traded away Hunter Renfro. Yeah, Mitchell is probably getting that shot first off. Also got Sal Frelick up there as well. But if Weimar starts hot in AAA, I think you can see him get a shot you know, maybe in May or June, and he has the power and speed to make a real impact. So he seems to fall further than he should. Like, he fell uh, – I can't find him right now. Where did he fall in our draft here into the sixth round? This was pick, what, 79? Went to our buddy Matt, he- Matt Heckman, excuse me, who writes for us here at Fantrax HQ. And I have him ranked in the 30s, but I was kind of trying to get cute with it. And CFR, he could fall where I could grab him. I knew people were a bit lower on him than I was, so I didn't miss out on him in our mock draft, unfortunately. But I think he's a top 40 prospect. I think too much was made about the K issues, and yes, those are there, and I don't think it's magically been cured in a month. But the power speed is so damn good, and he's shown at times. And he wasn't even a bad K rate last year. It was really just the first like four months or so this year where it was a problem, so... Uh, I'm not completely writing him off hitting 250. And if he can sit 250, that's 20 plus home runs, 20 plus steals as well. So, really love Joey Weimer. All the skills are there. And I think he's a good buy right now because the value is lower than it probably should. All right, Chris, who's your next guy? Yeah, not to mention Joey's just an awesome dude. Oh, like. Joey. Joey Weimer is awesome. If you, if you missed, we had an interview with him. I don't even know what episode it was. It was about a year or so ago. Go check it out. Yeah, yeah, it was right around this time last year. It, yeah, it? yeah, but it was after the AFL. It was he interviewed with us during the AFL actually. So it's probably been a little over a year now. Okay, because uh, I remember he was he woke up. They didn't have a game on Sunday, and I remember we. That's right. It was yeah. like a Sunday at like one o'clock, and he was like, "Yeah, I just woke up," type thing or something. It was it was funny, but yeah, he he's at all he's at all the intangibles too, like. He's got all the, all the stuff you want. Just yes. keep that K rate in check. He's going to be a star. The, uh, the tools are definitely there. So um, next by is Oscar Colos, who I think is just an absolute stud and not valued as a stud. So Colos came through, saw him a couple times when he was in high A, and Winston-Salem, they came here a couple times early in the season. And 
The dude's one physically imposing. He's listed at 61209. He's every bit of it, I'd say. And two, one, he, he was older for the level. So certainly he looked dominant. He's older because he was Cuban. He signed later, whatever. He's, he turned 24 after the minor league season was over. So you can, you can call it the age to level thing. Don't really care. But the talent is there with Colos. And there's talk that he's going to be an everyday guy in with in the White Sox world. Like their GM was talking about it last week, how they want him to be the guy like beginning next year. And he certainly proved that he's capable of it. I mean, just look at what he did. So he started the year. He did he had 59 games in high A, seven home runs. He hit 311 with a 369 OBP, 475 slug, K 20% of the time. All right, he got the bump to double A. And what did he do? He performed equally as good. He had 14 home runs in 51 games. The strikeout rate did go up to 24%, but he still managed to hit 306 and have a 364 OBP despite it. And the slug jumped to 563 there. And then he got the bump to triple A at the end of the year, was in Charlotte. And while, yeah, you can look at the K rate, it was 33 plate appearances. So don't judge it too much, but he still was solid and hit 387. His numbers are really good across the board. The poolside power is insanely good. I think he's easy plus power. And I think the hit tool is average to above average. Based on the batting average, you'd probably say better. But, you know, there is the only one thing in the profile that scares me a bit is his chase rate was a little high last year. But I've seen enough from him that I am optimistic that he's a a 50 hitter, five hitter. And so if he hits 260, with plus power, like we're talking about someone who's like Luciano, as we talked about, like a five with a six power. There's easy power in this profile. He's aggressive, but yet in the midst of being aggressive, he still walks and he still gets on base. So I like the blend here. Dude obliterates fastballs. It's so impressive to see what he does. He puts it in the air extremely well. He uses all fields. He controls his body extremely well on the swing, and he's even solid against lefties. You want to know something crazy? As a left-handed hitter, he hit 362 against lefties this year. So there's not a platoon risk with Colos. So I'm a fan of Oscar Colos and would buy him in Dynasty all day long. And Tony Lucia is no longer there, so he won't play like, I don't know, a catcher or first base or something. Right. (laughs) He'll play his actual spot. So, yeah, Colos is good, and he's a perfect example. I love that you brought up Luciano there because that's the exact type of trade I could – see myself trying to make right now like if you had luciano trying to trade him for colas and a solid you could probably get another back end top 100 guy for luciano right now and you, if you got that i would take that all day so yeah colas is a guy i even underranked too so i am very guilty of this as well and, and i bumped him back up and i don't have him quite as high as you do but yeah i have him in semi top 100 now as well i love the talent there and i've always loved, i always love those cuban prospects they always have that that intrigue there's always a lot of a lot of skill there a lot of Power speed blends dates back to uh, uh, who was the first one that I was really, really high on. Was it Puig or was it before Puig? I can't remember, but just dating back to then, I've always known Jose Abreu, also Luis Robert, all of them. I've always been big, uh, big fans of the Cuban players. They always seem to have that skill. So I like Coloss as well. I'm going over to the pitching side of things here, going with Mick Abel, guy that I've liked for a long, long time, 15th overall pick back in 2020. Uh, out of the Oregon high school ranks. And, you know, the numbers have been, you know, they haven't been bad. They haven't been great either. It's kind of, you know, steady, not terrible, not good. But 
I think that has made him drop in rankings farther than he should. I think people expected more out of him, just given the stuff. You know, it's big fastball. This is easily a plus fastball, mid nineties, touches higher. You know, flat vertical approach angle on. It's a hard pitch to you know for hitters to kind of square up on when he's commanding it well. Plus slider, solid changeup as well. Kind of doesn't really go with the curve much anymore. But it's a very good three-pitch mix here. He still strikes out plenty of batters. And the walk rate dipped a few percentage points this year, still above 10%. So that's still a an area to work on. I think he, he's just still a very raw pitcher that has all the makings to be. Like I still think there's a chance, you know, we're talking this time next year, and he's up in, you know, where we're, you know, ranking Tingens and Kyle Harrison and then those guys, like top 50 arms maybe not you know in the Andrew Painter Ricky Tiedemann levels but I still think there's a top 50 talent here a top 10 overall pitching prospect type of guy he just needs to continue kind of refining his stuff and honing on his in on his craft all the talent is definitely there just because the performance hasn't you know knocked your socks off like many of us thought it would he's still only 22 like everyone talks about the, the meteoric rise here for for Andrew Painter, actually, he's just turned 21, but he got up to double A at 20 as well last year. Five starts, held his own, 352 ERA, uh, and 27 Ks and 23 innings. But he needs to continue throwing more strikes, locating better. The stuff is there. So I think he's kind of value has dropped to a point where he's a good buy right now because the talent definitely is there for him to make a big, big jump up rankings next year. So I am trying to get as much of Mick Abel as I can. Well, everyone, Gushes over Painter as they should. Now's a good time to kind of swoop in under the radar and get you some McAble shares in Dynasty. All right, Chris, who was your last guy here? I like the Abel buy. I think that he's we loved him. He hasn't really put the product on the field, and I think it's coming. I still believe in the abilities of McAble and the arsenal of McAble, so that's a good good call there. Um, my last one is Bryce Terang, and I – I'm not sure if most people have Bryce Terang even ranked, which I think is crazy. But Bryce Terang had a quietly good year. It feels like he's been around forever, which he kind of has since 2018, at least when he debuted. He was a first-round pick for the Brewers. He he was 22 years old this year in AAA, and he had a really good year. The numbers don't pop off the page. He had 13 home runs and 603 plate appearances. He did have 34 steals, a 286 batting average, and a 364 OBP. But he did start the year kind of poor and really came on strong. So I need to go. I had it. I knew I had tweeted about it the other day. So from July 1st on, he slashed 296, 394, 84. Ten of those home runs came from after July 1st, and 20 of those stolen bases. He had a 14% walk rate and an 18% strikeout rate in those 295 plate appearances. I think Terang's a top 100 prospect that gets no love at all. Like, I really think Terang is going to take off, and I think he's going to be in the majors next year. And nobody, even nobody's even considering him as such. Now, the power, maybe you have questions about, and that's fine. But as I mentioned, it's come around and he's slowly grown into it. And the other thing, like Colos, he has really good splits, which I really like to see. Like his splits 
against lefties are really solid. Pretty much an equal hitter against lefties and righties. So as a left-handed hitter, that encourages you from somebody like Bryce Terang. How does he fit in? I'm not sure, but the Brewers have been in talks to trade Adamas and even Colton Wong, so I could see Terang slotting in there. I don't know. I see Terang as kind of like a Andres Jimenez light here and doesn't get any love. So I think you can get him dirt cheap and it won't cost you anything to get Bryce Terang. So I'd like ending the show on that one to buy. So you're, are you saying the price is Bryce? No, wait a minute. The, wait a minute. I messed up. The Bryce is right on price. There you go. I'm there messing. Go. There's a joke in there. I completely mess up the wording, but everyone knows what I'm trying to say. I got. So. Yeah, we got it. We got that for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the one thing though that I was kind of you know questioning is you know the power. Where does it at? But because I, I like the Andres Jimenez light. I, I think that's very fair. I think that's realistic. And those types of guys like with Jimenez this past year really fly under the radar. He doesn't have that one wow tool, but I think he just could be solid across the board. And even if he gives you like, you know, 10, 12, 14 home runs, somewhere in that range with, you know, solid speed and you know, decent enough average in OBP, I think it's we have some value there. And yeah, Milwaukee seems like they're going on a full on, you know, obviously they've, they've only dealt Renfro so far, but you know, you mentioned the, the rumors around, you know, Dames and, and Rowdy Telez and then probably a few others I'm forgetting around, but maybe they're, you know, they've a lot of, guys like Terang and all the outfielders that are ready. So it's not like they're going to, you know, it's not like they don't have answers for these spots that are opening up. So uh, definitely really interesting to see what they do the uh, rest of this off season. I'm going to end it out here on another guy that we saw out in the AFL. And then I tweeted a picture of him saying to buy low on him now. And I'm going to say it again here. Luis Matos from the giants. We got uh, last year. Okay. 2021. It's hard to say. Last year, because last year was technically 2022 at this point for us. But look at what he did in 2021 as a 19 year old in low A. Hit 313, 359, 495, 35 doubles, 15 home runs, 21 steals, and, you know, pretty low strikeout rate as well. This year, he's just battling a lot of things. He had a back injury earlier in in the year, and he was rehabbing that almost back, got COVID. Like the first half of the year, at least, he was just. Not right. There was he was never hundred percent. Whether it was illness or injury, you know, back issues always are very tricky. We know that you know easily easily tweaked and just hard to come back from. They always seem to linger. So I'm I'm pretty much giving him a free pass for the first half of the year. And yeah, I, I dropped him down my rankings, but not as far as I think others have. He's still in the around sixty or so for me. And where did he go in our? mock draft here and we're gonna have a, a little uh precursor here we're gonna have a at least one maybe two episodes regarding this mock draft when it's all done probably in about week and a half or so a couple episodes out bring on a lot of the people in this mock draft so that's definitely gonna be episodes to tune in for uh, he went uh, he, he went 71 in this mock draft so he didn't fall too far but i think there's a good chance you see matos bounce back and he already looked like he did you know look at late in the season in in August, 106 plate appearances, seven doubles, a triple, four home runs, four steals, 297, 321, 505 slash line, and added another home run and three steals in September. So five and seven, his final 33 games. You know, the one thing is the approach is all a bit aggressive, but at the same time, he's shown the context goes to back it up and doesn't strike out a ton, never really has. Would love to see a bit more patience out of him. We'll see if that comes in time. I'd say he's still very young. 
uh, in high, they'll probably start on the high A, maybe he gets double A early on the season. We'll see how uh, kind of San Fran handles him. But I saw talents there, solid hit tool, above average hit tool type of guy with 15 to 18 homer pop, 20 plus steel wheels. I think he's going to be a very good all round prospect that you can get for a pretty decent value right now in Dynasty League. So definitely go get Luis Matos. He's one of my top targets this offseason, and he should be for you as well. All right, that's going to wrap us up, though. Thanks to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I'm at Eric Cross 04, and our show's at Fantrax Toolshed. Check out all of our written work over at Fantrax HQ or on our Patreon, and check out our YouTube as well. And again, next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care. following is an actor portrayal with kindly assisted living and memory care at asbury methodist village in montgomery county you can anticipate more but don't take our word for it my dad moved to kindly and loved it his apartment was spacious sunny and overlooked parkland it was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at kindly enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services too visit kindly at asbury.org today equal opportunity housing provider